I think that's very appropriate. I assume you were clapping for Dinah, not for me, but uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, you know, today's our, our Super Bowl, and our Tom Brady, Carl Olson, is in Arizona. So everybody wave to Carl. He's up there somewhere. We've already been communicating this morning. He's in Arizona with Brothers Four, but look at the team we have. We're so appreciative of our musicians who have been uh, preparing for you to come today, and so very thankful for for you being here. Uh, it's the fifth Sunday of Epiphany. Epiphany means revelation. How is Jesus revealed? Uh, you see the color is green, but I'm wearing red because we're talking about love today. So there you go. That's where we're going. Uh, we're going to share our opening hymn in just a moment. Gather us in, but first I would invite you, if it's comfortable, to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We lift our voices in song, gather us in. Continue with the responsive reading, the litany for the Sunday. A better world starts right here. Hold fast to what is good with mutual affection. In showing honor, be patient in suffering, contribute to the needs of others. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not, Do not claim to be wiser than you are. It is possible. So far as it depends on you, Live a better world. We continue uh, with a, a hymn of praise that draws us forth to this table where the table is set for you to share Holy Communion. Let us go now to the banquet.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. We give you thanks and praise, O God, for your abundant grace, for believing in us, and for welcoming sinners like us to this sanctuary and to the table of Holy Communion. We honor you with our presence, and we pray that you would lead us forth in the way of love. Pray in the name that is above all others, the foot-washing rabbi, our Savior and Lord, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated as we move to the first reading. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The word of the Lord.
Spirit come, our hearts control, our spirits long to be made whole. Let inward love guide Absolutely beautiful, huh? Beautiful. Thank you, uh, Arnie, Cynthia, Ron, Dinah. There's a, there's a saying from the Seder meal that says it would have been enough. And if that's all we got out of this whole morning, it would have been enough. That was absolutely beautiful. A smart man would just sit down right now. But that's not me. Uh, so I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for a little participation just so I know you're awake and with me. Uh, so by show of hands, how many of you have ever been to a wedding before? Very good. You can put those down. Okay, how many of you have ever been to a wedding where they read from 1 Corinthians 13? Okay, almost all of you again. You know the one. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. And maybe I should ask just one more. Is there anyone here today who had that text read at their wedding? Okay, quite a few, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the most used and perhaps least understood passages in the Bible. Paul's intriguing, poetic invitation to love. We will be uh, aided this morning as we are going to be asking a question. What is this thing called love? What is it? We're going to be aided in our understanding of this text by gaining some familiarity with the context in which it was written. You see, context in the Bible is all important. It's very difficult to understand the law of Moses without having some understanding of what was going on during the Exodus. The story of Jesus becomes clearer if you understand and study the political and social realities of first century Palestine. Context. Context in history is critical as we travel back to a world that we would not recognize. In a similar fashion, one would be hard-pressed to understand the Civil War isolated from colonial history or lacking an understanding of the institution of slavery. Context is all important. The Apostle Paul lived in Corinth for 18 months, somewhere in the 40s. Not the 1940s, just the 40s. The context, it was a decade or so after the death and resurrection of Jesus, a decade or so after Paul's conversion from Judaism to Christianity, a conversion so complete that Saul had his name changed to Paul. Context. Christians were known as followers of the way. There were no actual church buildings. Christianity was mostly illegal persecuted in waves, had little structure, no seminaries. Christmas had never been celebrated, and nearly all of the Christians were Jews who also believed in the rabbi named Jesus. Saul, the persecutor of Christians, was knocked off his high horse on the Damascus Road. He was left blind and helpless and called called now by God to take the gospel of Jesus to the Roman world. 
and Paul was the perfect candidate to do so. Paul was the perfect one to take the good news of Jesus to a world that was a largely Gentile world. You see, Paul was smart, well-schooled, singularly dedicated, and zealous. But perhaps the biggest advantage that he had was the fact that he was a Roman citizen. At a time when a Roman passport, much like a United States passport today, would open borders and ensure safe passage. Paul traveled around the Mediterranean, Antioch, Philippi, Thessalonica. Every port and every crossroad presented Paul with an opportunity to spread the gospel of Jesus. He did so with Jews and with Gentiles. He taught, he encouraged, he developed leaders, and then he moved on down the road to the next spot. Paul spent 18 months in Corinth. Corinth, located in Greece, was a diversely populated urban center at the crossroad of the Roman Empire. When Paul left Corinth, he had established several small house churches. Sometime later, he ended up in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. But as he did so, he continued to be in touch and in some mentoring supervisory role with the Christians in Corinth. And so it was in Ephesus in the spring of 51 that Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And it was clear from the onset that the church was, fill in the blank, the church was a mess. The Christians there were not acting very Christ-like. They were giving Christianity a bad name. Get this. There were rivalries among them. There was fighting over who would be the leader. There were lawsuits. There were worship wars. There was conflict around marriage and divorce. There were disagreements about the role of women in the church. There was disagreements about speaking in tongues, sexuality, and inequality. It was a toxic stew of dysfunction. Lines were drawn, judgments were made, and people were choosing upsides. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Christians fighting among themselves. You know, through the centuries, the biggest uh, knock against Christians is that they are hypocrites. And I might say that's a well-earned title. Many are skeptical, therefore, of organized religion, and I would say for good reason. The charitable work of the church is unparalleled in human history. The church has been present, offering relief to the suffering masses, but sometimes our actions or lack of actions have contradicted the teachings of Jesus. Women's rights, civil rights, our less than compassionate treatment of those among us who have been divorced, the abuse of indigenous people, and a thirst for power has left the church of Jesus oftentimes on the wrong side of history. Felicia and I were in Rome this fall. Some of the world's greatest artwork and most precious treasures can be found in Vatican City. Here's an image. That's an image of Felicia in St. Peter's Basilica. It is the largest basilica in the world. Here you see my mask bride surrounded by that magnificence of St. Peter's. And notice also, if you will, that there's no one around her which is pretty miraculous if you've ever been to St. Peter's. Now, if you look around in that sanctuary, that basilica, many popes are buried there. And I was struck at the tomb of Innocent XI. Below his marble casket was this. It's kind of a, a, a highlight reel. It's a highlight reel of his papacy. Chiseled in marble there below his casket Cannons, scenes of armies 
vanquishing the enemies of the Roman Catholic Church. I couldn't help but look at that and take a picture of it. And I couldn't help but thinking that the Prince of Peace was probably less than happy with the Vicar of Christ who decided that his highlight reel would include such violence. Context. The Christian church in Corinth was a mess. The way that they were living was not working. The abundant life that Jesus desired for them was lacking. The prodigal sons and daughters in Corinth had lost their way. In the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul tells them to get over themselves, to refocus their energies, to quit fighting and to work together for the common good, Paul says. Common good. The introduction of the 13th chapter is almost complete now. I've almost got you there. But you know what? The last sentence of chapter 12 is so important, and it's most often excluded from this reading, but it's critical to our understanding. Now, context, remember the context, this was a letter that Paul wrote. Do you write your letters and put chapters and verses in there? No, there were no chapters and verses. He penned these words all together. So what I want you to do is just kind of settle in now. Don't fall asleep. But settle in, and I want you to hear this text for the first time. Close your eyes and let God speak your heart. I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I gain nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For now we know only in part. And we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will be fully known, even as I have been fully known. Now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. You've heard these words before. You've now heard Paul's words in context. He's talking to the Christians in Corinth, and he's saying there is a better way of living than what you've been doing. What you're doing isn't working. A more excellent way is love. It's a pathway to abundant life. It's a better way of living and loving. And I want to leave you this morning with just a couple thoughts. Realizing our context is much different than the Apostle Paul's. 2,000 years later, let's look at our context, our shared context. So I want to ask you right now, I want to ask you to consider the state of our society and our nation and our world. 
Are you troubled by the crisis at our southern border? Does the saber-rattling of Russia, China, and the United States make you nervous? Do we really have the will to save this planet for future generations? Here's the question that I'm asking you. Is it working? Or might there be a more excellent way? Would you describe our political leaders, political parties, and political discourse as patient and kind? Or would boastful, arrogant, and rude be more accurate? Context, does our church and our larger community here care for the most vulnerable among us? Is it working here? Is it working on Whidbey Island? Or might there be a more excellent way? Context. How's it going in your house? Are your intimate and casual relationships healthy? Are the most precious people in your life touched by your patience and kindness? And if you were to die today, would the words patience and kindness be spoken at your funeral? Is it working? Is the way that we're living in 21st century America working? I will show you a still more excellent way. Love. What is this thing called love? Paul described it. Jesus, Jesus modeled it for us. But here's the thing about this love, folks. Here's what you need to know about this love that we're talking about. It is a choice. Let me hear you say that. It's a choice. You see, it's a free will option among many other free will options. It is a choice. We don't fall into this love. No spell is cast upon us to make us more loving and faithful and honest and kind. What is this thing called love? What is this more excellent way of living? What is the key to abundant life? It's simple. It's a choice to make the choice each day to love and to rein in our arrogance and our irritability and our self-centered living. Yeah, God is not going to do this to you or for you because you are capable, you are free, and you can choose love. And it starts where all quests start. It starts at home. Don't set out to save the world and lose your marriage and family in the process. It starts at home with you. You must look in the mirror. And when you look in that mirror, you must learn to love the child of God whose weathered eyes meet yours. Are you patient and kind with yourself? Can you give yourself a break? For past indiscretions? Can you give yourself a break for being human and imperfect like all the rest of us? In Holy Communion, God proclaims that your sins are forgiven. Can you believe that? Can you leave the past and learn to love today? It's a more excellent way. Love starts at home. Love the one who shares your bed with you. Love the children that you brought into the world. May your quality time with them dwarf the time that you spend on the screen and the countless hours on social media. I will show you a more excellent way. Love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. Make your choice, friends. Embrace a way of living that is clearly not working. Or choose life by choosing love. Our hymn we're about to sing. 
reminds us what love looked like for Jesus. Jesus who came to be a servant, to wash feet. I would invite you to stand, if it's comfortable, as we sing our hymn of the day, Yezu, Yezu. hearts now to God in prayer. Judy is going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end God of love and our response, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Faithful God of love, as we walk in the light of your love, we have fellowship with one another. In that spirit of love, we lift our prayers this day. We give thanks for those in our midst who walk in love, love of partner, and for community, love for people in the world that we'll never know, even as we see through the mirror dimly, let us hear and heed your call to share your gift of love with all, regardless of our differences, and be fully known as your disciples. God of love, We see the world around us and give thanks. We confess our arrogance and our sin of overconsumption, which disrespects your creation and ignores its consequences, which so often fall on those least able to thrive and access the basics of everyday life. Give us vision and courage to make the hard choices and move toward a healthy future. God of love, 
our country and our world have been beset by examples of racial and religious bigotry and intolerance. With bomb threats at black colleges, violent anti-Semitism, and ethnic and religious discrimination across the globe, let us move past a facade of words and outrage, of clanging gongs, and leave our childish ways behind, daring to act in ways that proclaim the truth, that no one is outside the bounds of your love and care, and that all are worthy. God of love, God of compassion, restore hope in all who struggle in the illness of body or despair of mind, and give comfort to all who provide them care. Let us be open to learning some of the lessons of this pandemic, valuing family and friends, telling people we love them, being agents of change toward hope and healing, listening to one another, welcoming all. Help our grieving hearts rejoice as those we have loved pass to their next life, now alive again in Christ. God of love, into your loving hands, we commend all that we pray, trusting in your grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Share a pandemic greeting with one another. Thank you for sharing and that green peace at the service. Come on over to the gym for a time of coffee and cookies. And uh, there's also uh, Adult Forum. will be down in the Fireside Room, as it is every Sunday morning. Uh, so you're welcome to join the Adult Forum down there today as they're ending one series, and we'll be starting another one next week. Lots of announcements printed in your bulletin. Also, there's uh, little notifications about sending cards out there. We put those out. Those cards mean a lot to people. Uh, those cards can lift uh, immune systems, strengthen immune systems, uh, those words, those prayers. Even if you don't know those folks, you drop them a card. It makes a big difference to them. We hear about that all the time. So we would encourage, encourage you to, to do that. Uh, happy birthday to Pastor Dennis. Pastor Dennis sitting in the back back there. Wave at us, Dennis. Yeah, it turned 85 yesterday. So happy, uh, happy birthday, Dennis. Uh, we'll sing to you at 90. Um, happy birthday. <laughs> I'm have Deacon Amy come on up. Good morning. Good morning. Lots of great things going on for uh, kids in our congregation. Uh, Sunday school happens every Sunday morning uh, between worship services. That continues today, as well as confirmation after our second service. Um, and then our middle school youth group that meets every Wednesday will meet on Zoom this week, and next week we'll be back in person. And then we have a few fun trips coming up. So our elementary kids get to go back to Camp Lutherwood in March for a 24-hour retreat. Uh, registration deadline for that is today, so please let me know if you have somebody interested in that. Our middle school students will get to go back to Camp Luther Haven in Coeur d'Alene this summer. I'm really looking forward to getting back there. So uh, there's a flyer and a sign-up sheet for that in the gym. And then high school students, we were planning to go to the National Youth Gathering in Minneapolis this summer, but that uh, they, they're postponing that one for another year. Um, so we have made a pivot, and we're planning to go to Flathead Lutheran Bible Camp 
in Montana, beautiful, wonderful location. We'll spend a week there serving the community and having a lot of fun ourselves. So again, flyer and information for that is in the gym. And then an announcement from Carl from the road this morning, letting us know that the Woodby Island Center for the Arts, Wicca, is producing the musical The Wisdom of Eve, and our very own Kai Lund Olson is the musical director and arranger and also the accompanist for the show. So that opens at Wicca this Friday the 11th and runs for three weekends. Thank you. Stay close. Stay, you can go down. Thank you, Amy. Um, Flathead Lake sounds better than Minneapolis in the summer to me, but <laughs> what do I know? So uh, Matt McGillan uh, helped build this place one nail at a time. And uh, come on up, Matt. Matt's a former church council president. <laughs> former church council president. Uh, he lives in Texas now, so it's amazing he's even alive. But uh, go ahead, Matt. Uh, That's a true story. So I first came through those doors 22 years ago. To say I was lost, lonely, broken would not be accurate. I was also standing on the edge, hanging by a thread, and at the end of my rope. Why? Keep it with the theme of love. She was the woman of my dreams. Unfortunately, I was not the man of hers. So through those doors I came, hopeless, desperately in need of hope, and I sat way in the back, partially praying no one would see me, but also praying that somebody would. Um, and then something amazing happened, but it didn't happen overnight. Pastor Jim will attest that it took literally hundreds of nights and days and weekends and holidays. But eventually, hope returned, joy returned, I returned, as Pastor Jim and Pastor Peter and a fair number of you out there in the sea of Trinity angels picked me up, dusted me off, patted me on the head, and shoved me into the path of the gospel. Eventually, I moved away to Texas for two reasons. One, a newborn grandson, and two, God apparently has a sense of humor about those things. I found a new church, new career, new friends, new volunteer opportunities, and yes, a very lovely lady who just might think I'm the man of her dreams. But you know, the call of Whidbey is strong. So I'd come back every couple years to immerse myself in the grace-filled, life-changing waters of Trinity Lutheran Church. Well, I left here 15 years ago. That newborn grandson? I substitute at his high school. <laughs> I've said, um, I don't know, I have two more grandsons and a granddaughter who will make her debut in April. I've said goodbye to countless friends. And later today, I'll say goodbye to yet another. I've said goodbye to a parent. I performed a wedding ceremony for my daughter. I've seen a man in the mirror realize that he's much closer to the end than the beginning. Things still rise and fall. Chaos and calm seem to occupy the same stage, often at the same time. And sometimes, you know, I just want to come home. So here I am. And it's I'm sure that somewhere out there amongst you is someone who's probably a bit like me 22 years ago. Looking for hope, looking for love, which I definitely found here. And I see Jim is still letting people like me in. 
But everyone really is welcome here. And it's good to know that I can always come home. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come home, Matt. Um, a word about communion. Uh, first of all, all are welcome. doesn't matter where you've been, wherever the road has taken you. If you've never come in with us before, you're welcome always. By the invitation of Jesus Christ, you come down the center aisle, little Jordan River here. You can touch those waters. Uh, you will receive the host. Hold on to it momentarily. Go ahead and consume it. And then you will receive all uh, grape juice, the blood of Christ, all grape juice. Uh, go ahead and consume that and leave the, the empties in the tray at the outside or in the baskets at the outside. Uh, we pray for a lot of people. You see the prayer list is long. Uh, Dan Wehut asked that we pray for him today. Dan, come on up. Uh, and I'll ask Amy to come up too as well. Uh, Dan's been uh, one of our family members here for uh, uh, some decades, but has been going through a real hard time lately. And uh, Dan is looking at a, a liver transplant. And he just asked the congregation to pay, pray for him. And this is what we do. And so Dan, I'm going to come have you just touch the waters here and Deacon Amy and I are going to lay hands upon you. I ask congregation, just hold your hand up. Pray for Dan today and pray for Dan uh, in the days ahead as well. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for Dan. He is uh, a child of your own making. He is a child of God, a dear, redeemed uh, citizen of our church, uh, a dear member of our church. And we pray now as he goes forward into uncharted territory that you will surround him with your Holy Spirit, that he will have comfort and hope that he'll have a, a, a sense of calm as he puts his hands in or his life in your hands and in the hands of the medical community. We pray for those doctors and those nurses and those technicians and all who will chart a course for his recovery. And we pray for his body too, that it may recover from the surgery. We pray not understanding everything that happens to us in this life, the good and the bad, but we believe your promises that we are loved and we are forgiven and that we're never alone if we live or if we die, we entrust Dan and our entire lives to you, Lord Jesus, in this day, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Dan, our love to you, and uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep in touch. We'll keep you in our prayers. Okay, brother? Say something quick. We're by. Yep, go ahead. We love you, Dan. We love you. Now, as we move to this uh, table, I would invite you to stand if it is comfortable. We gather around a table now that welcomes every prodigal son and daughter, every lost sinner, every saint. A table that welcomed our parents and grandparents a table that is always welcome here by the invitation of Jesus. As we do so, we remember a Thursday night in Jerusalem. The context is Holy Week, the upper room. Jesus is gathered there with his disciples. That would be those who were about betray, to betray him. In that night when he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread. He gave thanks, and then he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised us that he is present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father,
These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. For I am lost. 
body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Amen. Fed and forgiven, go forth from this place. Go out those doors and find your place of service and ministry. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In anticipation of going out those doors, get out those little lights for sending him this little light of mine.